Thank you, Steve. Um, You know, just a a brief word um, that I want to say about uh, the Stephen ministry. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Stephen Ministries, I've known about this ministry for quite a while. Um, And we've, as elders, we've talked about um, it coming to Sooner Mountain Bible Church for a while. And it was just really awesome when God really put this on Pat's heart and she kind of was able to champion this. Uh, Sometimes it's hard as pastors to champion everything that you feel like needs to happen. Uh, And and as well, um, one of the things I just want to reemphasize that you saw and heard in the video, hopefully, is that, um, you know, Pat and John, getting to know them, um, one of the things that I have seen in their life is their love for the Lord, their love for the body, their love for, for people. Uh, and both of them, in, in different ways, have walked through some hardships that uh, make them able to relate. Uh, and so I, I do just want to encourage you, if, if you would like to be a part of this ministry, to get with them. Um, and if you need help, um, that they are two people that um, I think is worth, are worth reaching out to. So, As we continue our study in the book of Second Peter, one of the phrases you've heard me use... Um, over and over, is that truth matters. Truth matters. Um, I was, this week, I was in the middle of Pennsylvania with a handful of pastors uh, learning about a missions organization and some things that maybe our youth uh, can do with them. Very excited about it. Uh, uh, We support some missionaries through this organization. Ethnos 360 used to be called New Tribes. Missions and uh, they do just some phenomenal work. And one of the things that they do is they, or the thing they do is they go places where a lot of times there's never been any contact from the outside world. They're going to tribes who don't speak, uh, obviously they don't speak English, but they, they don't speak any language um, that is recognized. And so these missionaries go in and have to figure out the language. They have to translate that language, uh, the Bible, into that language or the gospel story into that language. And one of the things that New Tribe does is that once it masters the language, uh, it years, years to get the language written down, then what they do is they go in and they translate it into the, this, the, the, the Bible story. And then they, share the, then they walk the people through the story and then they share the gospel. It takes years and, and as they were talking about this, one of the things that burdened me is like, okay, these people have never heard of Jesus. Can't you like find a way to shorten that up and maybe on day one just find out how to tell them about Jesus? And one of the things they talked about is that if you don't know the language, the tendency or the propensity for there to be error. And they use this as an example. One of the groups um, that went and they were... In this process, there was a lady who had been there before them, and she had done some work, and they actually found uh, some translation that she had done, and she was what she was trying to translate was, in the beginning, God created everything. As the missionaries who were there, who had studied the language for years, they found this, uh, this document, this picture, what she said was, God created everything 20 years ago, and I saw it. Now, very unintentional on her part. One change in an ending of a word completely changed the thing. And the problem was that if these people, this is what they heard, can you imagine what they were thinking? Oh, this lady's crazy. 
you know. Um, I've been around for more than 20 years, and this earth has been around for more than 20 years. Truth matters. Now, today, Peter is going to talk about error within the church, but not the kind of error that I just said. And I want to make something really clear that you'll hear me say over and over again. This lady unintentionally introduced error to these people. It was an accident. This morning... What Peter is, is going to talk about and where, where we are in the book of Second Peter as he is writing, he's going to talk about people who are intentionally trying to lead people astray. Remember the context. Remember the context. The error, the, the, the people precisely that he's talking about are people that are denying the second coming of Christ. So in today's day and time, What we wouldn't say is heresy. Now, that is heresy. What we would not say is heresy has to do with maybe arguments about when the second coming is going to be. Post or pre, whatever. We wouldn't look at that as heresy. But what Peter is directing as heresy within the context is the fact that they would deny the second coming of Christ. This whole issue of false teacher... Teachers, uh, this issue is huge. And and this is a very timely message. And and a little bit later uh, in our our walk through this passage, I'm going to talk about why what I'm getting ready to say is so. But, But I think, I know that false teaching is worse than ever. And the access that false teachers have to the church is... Uh, limitless in our day and age. And so this is a warning that we need to we need to heed and we need to pay attention to. Now, th- there are two dangers when looking at and dealing with false teaching. One is what I saw happen in seminary all the time, seminary and, and, and Bible school. And that is, is that um, you get folks that are what I call heresy hunters. They're just looking for heresy under every rock. Uh, unfortunately, as a seminary student, we would go sometimes and sit in and listen to teaching or preaching and be ravishly taking notes, and we weren't writing down the good points. We were writing down all the things we disagreed with the speaker or preacher on, and many times you would hear seminary students say, oh, that heretic, you know, uh, you know he believes this over this. And it was, those were a matter of opinions about the Scripture versus what true heresy would be, and that we're going to see what that what true heresy is. But, but I think that, and I've heard, uh, you know, even over the past two or three months, I've heard people call John MacArthur a heretic, Charles Stanley a heretic, and Chuck Swindoll a heretic. If those men are heretics, we're all doomed. You know, we're all doomed. What's more dangerous, I think, in our day and age, and it's more common, is that the church is tolerating false teaching. The church, the church is tolerating heresy. The church, in many times, is embracing heretics. And so it is, that's the danger. So you're going to hear me lean on this side of, uh, of this today. You know, this morning, as Peter is, as we're reading Peter's words about false teaching, you're going to hear the tone, and the tone is serious. And if you were to go on and read through this, cha- this whole chapter, you're going to see that Peter does not take this lightly. This is a big, big deal, and we need to understand it in this way as well. Now, I want to make the connection because it's important. If you were with us last week, uh, 
uh, we were in chapter 1, and I want to start um, towards the end of chapter 1 in verse 19, just to, to call to your mind uh, the second half of where we were last week. And so listen to these words in, in verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. And last week we talked about that we have this prophetic word. And this prophetic word is, is to us, it is like a lamp in a really dark, dark place. That it is needed. It is vital. It shows us the way. And Peter tells us that not only is this word a lamp, but notice in verse 20 and 21, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter to one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And what we see that Peter is saying is that the reason that this word, this prophetic word is so important is because it was given to us by God. And then Peter says this, but false prophets also arose. Do you feel the weight of that? Of that the church, God's people, have His Word and they are to follow this Word and to use it as a guide, to use it as a light to shine on the way, and yet false prophets, false prophets have arose. This is a major issue and I want us to see several things from this this morning. The first thing that I want you to see in verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will also be false teachers among you. And what you're going to see this morning. The first point that I want us to glean. Is that false prophets have always been around. Since the beginning. And false prophets will always be around. Until the Lord comes. Until the Lord comes. Let's look first about the past. It says that false prophets arose among the people. And these words here, this word of the people, this is talking about the Israelites. This is a common way to refer back to the Israelites of the people. And what we know from reading the Old Testament is that over and over and over again, within the people of Israel, that there were false prophets. And that they were always leading astray. Many times we see the false prophets and one of the things that they do is that they show up, they look at other countries that are prospering, that are more financially safe and, and savvy, and so they look and they say, oh, God wants us to worship these other gods. And so they lead people astray to worship other gods. In Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, we hear this from God's prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy. And they say, and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, not from God, from their own inspiration, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel. Your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and lying divination who are saying the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope for the fulfillment of their word. 
Did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said the Lord declares? But it is not, it is not I who have spoken to them. And so we see, we see in the Old Testament that there were false prophets and that God was speaking through Ezekiel to condemn them. But notice the other thing in this text. Not only does he say false prophets arose among the people, but notice this word in verse 1 and in verse 3. Notice the, the, the future Just as there will be, will also be false teachers among you who will, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And then in verse three, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Jesus and the apostles warn us of false teacher. And I want you, I'm going to read a lot of verses to you. First, um, uh, Matthew's account of some words of Jesus and then. To talk about Paul, but I want you to hear what uh, they say about false teachers, about that they're here now and they will be uh, here until the Lord comes back. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. This is Jesus speaking. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. In chapter 24, on the Olivet Discourse, when he's talking about the end of times, Jesus says this, At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And again, in that same chapter in verse 24, it says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. And then we have Paul. Paul, in the book of Acts, he's speaking to the elders from Ephesus and he tells them, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, notice these words again, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. And then in the book of Philippians, he says this, Beware of the dogs, the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul not only is telling them to beware, but notice Paul actually names false teachers. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. In 2 Timothy 1.15, notice this. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. In chapter 2 of this book, verses 17 and 18, Paul says, And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. And then many of you are aware that John... In 1 John chapter 2, 18 and 19, children, it is the last hour. And just have you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out 
so that it would be shown that they are not from us. And so what we see, not only from Peter, but what we see from Jesus and what we see from the Apostle Paul and what we see from John the Apostle is that false prophets were with them in their day and they are all predicting that false prophets and false teachers will continue to come. The key here is that they have always have been and they will always be with us until the Lord returns. And if this is the case, if this is the case, as Peter is laying out, we have to be careful, we have to be warned, and we have to know how to handle such things. The second thing I want you to see, the first thing is that they always were and they will always be until the Lord comes. The second thing I want you to see in this, in this verse, but false prophets also arose, notice the words, among the people. Among the people. They're inside the church. Certainly, the apostles and the biblical writers talk about warnings and trials and tribulations and things from outside the church. And we think of thought patterns and things that are dangerous to the church. But what Peter is saying and what Jesus was saying and what the apostles were saying is that there are also false teachers and false prophets that will arise from within the church. Notice these words. They are denying the master that bought them. These words are thought to be um, describing uh, in the Old Testament, particularly in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, um, these, these words... They're denying the master that bought them is not saying that, hey, these people are believers and then they fall away. What it's saying is that these people were part of the nation of Israel. They were brought out of the land of Egypt. They were a part of the group. In our modern day, we would say they are within Christian circles. They call themselves Christians. They identify with the church. Where do you find... Books from false teachers. If you go to Barnes and Nobles, if you go to a non-Christian bookstore, you will find books from false teachers and false preachers in the Christian section. Where else will you find books from false teachers? In the Christian bookstore. Where do you hear songs that were written from false teachers? Teachers, and there are some on the Christian radio station. Where do you hear the messages from false teachers from within the church on Christian radio? Where do you see people preaching who are preaching a false message on Christian TV? Are you getting the picture? These folks call what they're doing ministries. And many times the Uh, their mission statement has a Bible verse embedded in it. They call themselves preachers, prophets, apostles. They twist the Scriptures. They take half-truths. And the problem is that we have given them a huge platform and a huge hearing in the Christian church. So they're among us. And they arose among us and they are here. Thirdly, 
They always were. They always will be. They arose among us. Among us. And notice, um, there will be also false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. The third thing I want you to see is they secretly introduce their heresy. That these folks are cunning and they are slick. They are cunning and they're slick. In other words, they don't come and say, Hey, let me talk to you about a false teaching that I want to talk to you about today. No, they come to you and they quote a Bible verse and then all of a sudden they they go down a path and if you don't know the word... You don't understand the path that you're on. And next thing you know, you're, in the, you're up to here in heresy and you don't even know how you got into it. Several of them uh, do interesting things where maybe at the beginning of their sermon, they hold up the Bible and then they put it down and never go back to it. I've seen some of them teach and quote unquote preach with the Bible in their hand and they never open the thing. They secretly introduce these heresies, these heresies. They secretly manipulate. They take Scripture out of context. They play on emotion. Well, one of the things that I've seen from, from various uh, folks is that the, the, the way that they introduce their heresies is that they say, hey, I want to have a Bible study with you. I've had several people approach me Uh, with this methodology. Let's have a Bible study together in which they want to take you through 8 to 12 weeks of Bible study. And that sounds great to us Christians. Yeah, I want to study the Bible. But these folks are are coming in and they're slithering around like snakes in order to deceive you. And they're using God's Word to twist you up and to take you into the heresy that they are promoting. So they do that secretly. The fourth thing I want you to see, look at verse 2. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Some of the false teachers in our day and age have some of the largest ministries in this country. Many of them have mega churches, many of them have mega ministries, and many of them, their books are best sellers. And there's this really odd thing that happens within culture and groups, and that is is that if you get a large enough following, guess what happens? People blindly line up behind uh, the large group and go right off the edge with them. They don't think for themselves. They don't evaluate, but they see the numbers. They say, oh, glorious. And what these men and women do is they say, look at these numbers. God has blessed this ministry. God has not blessed that ministry because there are a lot of people there. We are told over and over in the word that in these days, false teachers will arise and many will follow them. The numbers do not lead to validation. We tolerate this because we see these large numbers and it causes us to doubt that they're really false teachers and we we tolerate it. The fifth thing I want you to see, I want you to see their aim and their goal in verse 3. And this is really, really important. Remember, what I'm not saying is that somebody may be walking in error just because they're unlearned or that they misinterpret a scripture. What I want you to see and what you will see from this verse is that, that these are people who are intentionally twisting scripture. Look at verse 3. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. 
in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Greed. So what's happening is, is that they are getting something out of these ministries and out of these teachings. Whether it's money, prestige, power. What they're doing is that they're using Christianity for self-gain. Notice it says that they will exploit with false words. This means that what they're saying, it's not a mistake. There's intentionality behind this. They are intentionally leading people astray. These are false words and they know it. Now, one of the things that I did this morning is I just happened to look up uh, some of the net worths of some of the false preachers that I think are pretty evident that they're false teachers. And there were three of them that I looked up. And let me give you the numbers. 40 million. 60 million, 150 million. I'm not against people having money, but I am against people creating ministries, creating platforms to use God's word to exploit people to bring any kind of whatever on themselves. One of the things that makes my blood absolutely boil is that one of these guys is situated in Africa. One of the most impoverished nations around. And he is exploiting these people for money. And here's the message. If you come to Christ, your cow won't die. If you come to Christ, you won't get sick. So people flock to him. Because they don't know any difference. He's exploiting these people. Contrast that with shepherds, true shepherds and true elders who protect the flock, who nourish the flock, who stand against false teaching, who deny themselves for the sake of the body. It's a stark contrast. Notice this. In verse 1. One of the things, let me say this before we jump. One of the things when you're reading the Bible is that if there are words that are repeated in a section, if, if something's repeated several times, then the writer wants you to pay attention to it. So he's highlighting something. And so he, he wants you to pay attention. I, I want you to hear, I want you to listen for the word that is repeated several times. We're going to read verse 1 and verse 3 again. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Do you hear the word? Destruction. Destroy. This word uh, is, is not talking about like just like some kind of like random implosion, like boom, they're going to be destroyed. This word, the opposite of this word would be salvation. And so it's, it's got this end time connotation to it. And so another way to say this is it would be their destruction, their damnation. And notice it says it talks about two things here. When it's talking about the destruction and damnation. The first thing that we see is that their, their words, their, their words, their message is a destructive heresy. And notice it says that it's denying the master who bought them. 
You can see why God hates this, can't you? That here God has, God has come. God has made a way in Jesus Christ to reconcile a people to Himself. Out of love and mercy, God has come and sent His Son to die. And He has given us His Word a pure act of mercy and love to us. And in His Word, we see these principles of, of who Jesus is and that He's coming back. And you would have some person touting around as a prophet, denying Christ. It's an affront to God's holiness, His character, and who He is. These heresies are destructive. What I want you to notice, these heresies aren't denying all of Jesus. In the context, they're denying his second coming. So these guys, or ladies, whoever they were, may be saying things like, oh yeah, you know, Jesus came, he was born of a virgin. He came, he died on the cross for your sins. You know, uh, if you believe in him, you will be saved. Uh, but he's not coming back again. What I want you to see is, that Peter calls it destructive, and what they got wrong was just the end. Today, today, I want you to hear some of the destructive heresies that infect our culture. I hear a lot of false teachers. One of the things that I think that they play on, especially in our day and age, is that they really attack what is the goal of Christ in your life. Have you ever thought about that? What's the goal of the Holy Spirit in your life? The answer to that is to glorify God, right? That we have seen over and over and over as we walk through these scriptures that the, end, that the goal of life is to glorify God. And in that, in, in us uh, uh, doing what God has commanded us to do in laying down our life as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1, that, that what we see is that in that we find our joy and fulfillment and completeness in that, right? That that is what we were made for. We were made to worship God. One of the slickest heresies that, uh, that has come around is this, that the, the goal of Christ is for you to be happy. You see that subtle, whew. And so that, so, so hear this. God doesn't want you to be sick or poor. Now. That's just, a, that's just a subtle turn with major implications. I think God laments sickness. I think God laments uh, poverty. No question. But as the Christian in this world, we know it's the life the apostles walked. It's the life that many of the Christian Christians walked before us that they lived a life where they picked up their cross, they suffered, and they followed Jesus, and Jesus loved those people to death. The implications on the other side of this is this, is that if you are sick or if you are impoverished, that God doesn't love you. That's heresy. It's heresy. It's not true. I could go on and on and on. But for the sake of time, I want you to notice the, the other thing. So the message leads to destruction. 
They're destructive heresies. These heresies destroy. The other thing that I want you to see is that the false teachers bring destruction on themselves. Notice again in verse 1 and verse 3. Bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And in verse 3, the judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. It also says that the destruction is swift destruction. Now, all of these words, uh, what it's talking about is when it says swift, it's, again, it's not talking about, boom, it's going to happen right away. This word and wording here is better translated with that their destruction is for sure. And what's happening is, is you have false teacher propagating this false gospel. And what Peter is painting the picture of, and you will see it as you read chapter 2, is that this destruction, this damnation is hanging right over their head. It's hanging right over their head. And while they are in this world, they may flourish according to worldly standards. Money, cars, power, prestige, whatever. But what Peter is telling us that God is inspiring him to say is that their destruction and damnation is hanging right over their heads. And brothers and sisters, we shouldn't respond to this like, yes, God, get them. As human beings, it should hurt us that this is happening and we should pray for these false teachers. So many of them, when you see them on TV or when you hear them on the radio, pray that God would get a hold of their hearts. The destruction's not idle and it's not asleep. Today, like I said earlier, I think that we're at a greater danger than ever before. And there are several reasons why I think that we're at a greater danger. And the first one is this. I believe that the biblical illiteracy in our day and age is at an all-time high. The biblical illiteracy in our day and age is at an all-time high. And I, I blame this on two things, but the main thing that I, preach, that I blame it on is pulpits. That many of the messages coming from many pulpits is not uh, expository preaching verse by verse through the Bible. That's why we do what we do. But rather, it is a pep rally, a talk to help you to feel good about yourself and to encourage you. And then you leave with that knowing very little of the Bible. And so folks are led astray because they hear somebody else giving a pep talk, uh, a message to help make them feel good that may be taking them into false teaching and they, they can't tell the difference. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, Paul is Speaking to Timothy here, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead and by his appearing uh, in his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That the day is coming. Doesn't this sound like our day and age? The day is coming when all they will want when they go into church and to hear preaching is for their ears to be tickled. Tell me, pastor, what I want to hear. Don't preach that other passage. Many churches, all they want to talk about is relevant issues of the day versus taking you to the Bible and telling you what God says about us 
and our life and the potential that we have in Him. Good expository preaching, verse by verse through the Bible, book by book, protects the body. And if you don't know truth, you won't know error, and it will secretly be brought in. The other thing in knowing the Word is that you need to become a student of the Word. You need to read the Word, hopefully, like it's preached. Not meaning that you only read four verses a day, because that's all we can get through. But rather, that we read that you read whole books at a time. So that you take the book of 1 Peter or 2 Peter, and you read it, and you reread it, and you look at the context, and you look at what is Peter saying here? What is, what is his main point? What's he getting at? And you, you read the Word, and you digest it. And then as you read other books, and you say, oh, well, Paul says this, Peter says this. How do these things jive together? And you, 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 you read the Word in this way. And you understand what we have hopefully harped on in the past, and that is the, the importance of context. Most false teaching, most preachers who, who are shoveling this nonsense, if they use the Bible, all you have to do is read the chapter before and the chapter they're speaking on and the chapter after, and you see, oh, that's not right. About 99% of the time, I have had people come to me and they have said, oh, Lewis, I heard this. Is this right? And I was like, oh, let's open up the book. Let's see the verse. Let's read the verses before the verses afterwards. And a lot of times it's the verse right afterwards. It's intentional. But we've got to know our words. We've got to increase biblical literacy. The second thing, and I'm going to speed through here. The second thing that, that infects us and makes it more dangerous than ever before is this whole idea of postmodernism, that truth is relative. That truth is relative. And, and so what happens in the church is that we're, we're not, we don't go out on the limb so far to say truth is relative. But what we will say is, and I hear this all the time, is that things like this. I know the Bible says this, but I feel this. That your feelings trump the written word of God. That's, that's postmodernism uh, at, the, at a fundamental level that's invaded the church, that our feelings define truth versus the word defining truth. And, and let me tell you why this is so hard. There are some hard things in the Bible. And we have to make choices. Is God's word going to stand? Is God's word going to be what guides us? Or is it our feelings? Lastly, lastly, the reason that I think we're in greater danger than ever before is technology. Technology. False teachers have an avenue into your world right now. I bet every one of you could pull things out of your pockets or purses that could zip false teaching right into your world. Social media. I can't tell you, one of the worst places I've seen is that people will come in and say, hey, I heard this wonderful quote and they, they found it on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or something and they, they, this quote from this pastor and I'm like, oh, that's false teaching. On your TV, it is everywhere around us. And so, this morning, by being in Second Peter, this is a timely message and we need to know the truth. We need to know where we stand. We need to know the gospel. And I want to end where we began. And that is this, is that God does not want us to tolerate false 
doctrine. God does not want us to tolerate heresy. And some of you may be saying, wait a minute, Lewis, like, aren't we all just, you, you shouldn't we get along? There's so much division in this country and divisiveness. Look, in order to be united, we've got to agree on the truth on which we stand. This is why, over the years, that the church has developed things like creeds, like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, or um, confessions, you know, like the, the London Baptist Confession or the Westminster Confession. They've developed these things to try to embody a truth so that they can define, hey, this is where we are on agreement and so in which we can stand, and so they can define truth and error. We can't be united. We can't have the unity that we want if we don't know the truth. So brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, we need to be alert, we need to watch out, and we need to know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you sent your Son that we could be redeemed. God, I do want to pray for the false teachers that are infecting Your church that are trying to lead people astray. God, I just want to pray that, Lord, you would, um, you would save them. And that, God, that they would just be able to give a testimony. They would be able to shed some light onto what's going on. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we stand.